Hey, hey, hey. All right. We are wrapping up the scale series today. It has been such a cool process to drop these episodes for you guys because I've loved hearing the feedback. I mean, it's just incredible to me how much we attach to this number and how when we start asking ourselves these questions around the number, all the conversations are amazing. So thank you guys for listening. Thanks for your feedback. And I'm hoping today really helps us solidify looking at that number objectively and pulling in some of the science behind how we can do that using numbers to our advantage instead of our disadvantage. And yeah, I'm really excited to dive in today. So today we're going to be talking about an inside look at body recomposition. And this came up and I wanted to include this piece as a part of the scale series because I had a client email me a little frustrated. Her weight had dropped. She's actually working on weight loss and it had dropped just a little bit. But she had said that she weighed the same as she did back when she was eating whatever the heck she wanted. And she was really upset and, you know, frustrated that she wasn't seeing the results she had hoped for based on the changes she had made. And when we broke it down a little bit farther and we looked at some of the things that had popped up as a result of her changes in her health and her exercise patterns that were not captured on the scale, it made her feel quite a bit better. But beyond that, when we looked at her body recomposition and what was changing with her body fat and her lean body mass, it really helped her to understand that there is so much more happening than just that number. So I'm really, really excited to break this down for you guys today. My hope is that getting an inside scoop on how to better understand weight changes, weight fluctuations by breaking down body composition will help prevent some of that unnecessary discouragement that many of y'all feel when the number is not doing what you thought it would do or what you want it to do. I believe that looking at these numbers from a more scientific and new angle can help us get back to looking at that number objectively so we can use it as a piece of the puzzle, not the entire puzzle, if that's even where we want to go, you know? I mean, if you never want to step on the scale again after this series, I'm like, woo, woo, more power to you. But if you are, and if we are going to look at it, we've got to look at it fairly, and understanding body composition is a huge component of that. So really excited. Get out your calculators. Just kidding. I'm going to do all the calculations for you. <laughs> but get ready to jam out on some numbers from a scientific angle today. Hey, awesome. Yeah, I'm talking to you. I know you're ready to stop falling into diet culture traps and finally put together a realistic plan on how to boost your energy. You might feel stuck because you can't quite kick the chocolate habit. The whole body love thing isn't getting the job done. Or maybe you're at an impasse because you are pushing it in the gym, but you can't figure out how and what to eat. How many times have you Googled best diet and found that the latest trend has failed you? Hey girl, I'm Jess registered dietitian, wife, mama, and total science and nutrition research junkie. I too used to be stuck in the cycle of insecurity and never feeling like my body was good enough. Then I tried to fix it with food only to end up right back where I started. I did some really hard work. I found food freedom, but then I was confused on how to eat healthy and get fit without falling back into diet culture crazy. I wish someone would have taught me the difference between discipline and obsession. I wanted to be the healthiest version of myself by balancing healthy eating with food freedom. Like how do I actually eat healthy, get fit, and have donuts with my kids? It wasn't until I figured out this awesome balance between discipline and permission, the art of intentional eating with sprinkles of flexibility. 
the Empowered Eating Model was born. Here on the show, we nix diet culture while creating values-based health goals. We reconnect with how our body responds to food through biofeedback, all the while figuring out a plan on how to get healthy and fit without sacrificing the most meaningful parts of life. Sustainability doesn't mean never eating your favorite foods again. I mean, pizza is life, right? <laughs> we are here to finally not just feel comfortable, but confident in our body. I am so excited to fuel your awesome with empowered eating. Head on over to JessBrownRD.com and grab my three steps to empowered eating guide totally free or hop onto my e-course food foundations to get the step-by-step deets on how I got here. All right, you ready to take your inner awesome to the next level? So grab that cup of coffee, lace up those running shoes, cause girl, it's time to go. All right, friends, we are going to be talking numbers today. So before we dive into the numbers, I want to invite everyone to do a quick assessment of their mental space. And the reason I want to do this is because knowing where we're at mentally can really impact how we hear and interpret the numbers I'm going to be tossing around today. Now, this came up because this week I was doing a lit review with my team, and we found this really cool study discussing how emotion influences how hyperfixated we are on the parts of our body we don't like. And in many cases, for y'all out there, it's your weight. Now, this study, what they did is they took participants and they first had them identify parts of their body that they didn't like. So they had to like say, oh, I don't like my stomach. I don't like my legs. They had to list it all out for the researchers. Then they had them come in and they evoked some type of either negative emotion or positive emotion. It's really funny. The, the tools they used for this emotion simulation was um, they used the scene from Lion King where Mufasa dies as the sad trigger, which... Okay, yeah, 30 seconds of that and we're all crying, right? (laughs) And then as the emotionally happy stimulator, they used YouTube videos of dogs and babies laughing. Okay, who isn't in a good mood after watching just five minutes of that, much less over two hours? So what they had them do is they had them come in at two separate times and either watch the Lion King episode or these happy-go-lucky YouTube videos. And then they had them stand in front of a mirror and they, they tracked their eyes to see where they focused. And what they found is that after participants had watched the Lion King clip, they were much more likely to hyperfixate on the parts of their bodies that they didn't like as opposed to when they watch the YouTube videos, they tend to focus on other areas around their body. And now this population was done in folks who had been diagnosed with bulimia. And they did find that individuals who didn't struggle with disordered eating were more resilient to this emotional up and down. However, what I think it says for all of us is that there is a chance when we are in a negative headspace or we're in a stressed out headspace, there is a chance that we don't see the rainbows, right? We focus on the storms instead of the rainbows. We see the parts of our body that we don't prefer more than we see the parts that we maybe appreciate or like. And I think it's important when we're looking at numbers and body composition that we need to first assess, are we in a healthy headspace so that we can interpret this data objectively? Or are we stressed out? Are we tired? Are we worn a little thin? Are we feeling bummed out? Because if we are, maybe we should look at these at another time. So just a quick assessment and a fun study to figure out where we're at before we dive into these numbers. All right. So if you're in a negative headspace, I want you to pause this, go watch some YouTube videos on puppies and babies laughing, and then come back. If you're in an awesome space, okay, carry on. (laughs) Here we go. Now, when we're looking at body composition, what I'm talking about is actually not just seeing the weight, but seeing what our body fat percentage is. And I, you know, it's funny, every time I take someone's body fat percentage, like never in the history of doing so have I had someone say, oh, 
That's awesome. There's something weird in a woman's brain when we hear body fat, we just think like we want it to be zero. So I want to just start off by saying, if it was zero, you would be dead. We need body fat. And having a specific amount of body fat, depending on if you're an athlete, if depending on your age, depending on your hormone levels, depending on your menstrual cycles, I mean, all of these things are going to play into what an appropriate body fat percentage is for you. So that being said, here is my example. We're going to pretend this woman, this is a made up woman. So let's call her, I like the name Bethany. We're going to call her Bethany. Let's say Bethany comes in and she weighs 150 pounds and she's 38% body fat and she wants to lose weight. We do the things, she comes back, she weighs 145 pounds and her body fat is the same, 38%. Now she might initially go, okay, sweet, I've dropped five pounds, success. Now if I break down the body composition, I would be singing a whole different tune because what is happening with her recomposition is not what I would want to see as her dietitian. At 150 pounds with 38% body fat, this means she is 93 pounds of lean body mass and hydration and 57 pounds of fat mass. Now, if she drops the five pounds and her body fat stays the same, this means she is 90 pounds of lean body mass and 55 pounds of fat mass. So when we look at these other pieces of the puzzle beyond her weight, we see that she lost 60% of her weight loss from lean body mass or her hydration status, and 40% of it came from fat mass. Now, when I am working with someone on weight loss, I want 75% of the weight loss to be from fat mass and less than 25 to be from lean body mass. So while at face value, she might say, oh, hey, I lost five pounds, whoop-de-doo. I'm going, no, 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 this is a weight loss that one is not sustainable and one that will come right back as soon as you know, you, you eat something beyond what we've mapped out because the type of loss has sacrificed the tissue that we want to build and grow within your body. I see this a lot with folks who are doing like a low carb diet or keto. They will drop a ton of weight right away, but it's not fat mass. It actually comes from muscle tissue or it's more likely water loss. And we see that water loss initially in any low carb diet because what's happening is the body's on low carb and it needs carbohydrates, so it empties all your glycogen stores, which are your stored carbohydrate molecules in your liver and your muscle. Well, for every one glycogen molecule, you hold three parts water. So if you completely drain those glycogen stores, not only are you pulling the stored carbohydrate, but you're pulling all the water that's attached to that. So I'll see that a lot in folks that do these carb cuts. It's like, yeah, they'll drop a ton of weight, but the type of weight they've dropped is muscle tissue and the water weight associated with their glycogen stores. And that's weight that will come back immediately when they start increasing their carbs again. So while Bethany might be happy that she saw a five pound weight loss, if we break it down, I would look at this concerned about her overall nutritional status. Now let's flip it. What if she comes in and she weighs 151 pounds, but her body fat percentage is now 35%. Now she's gone from 93 pounds of lean body mass to 97 pounds of lean body mass. That's a five pound increase in metabolically active tissue. Her fat mass would have then gone from 57 pounds down to 53, almost 53, which again is a five pound fat mass drop. So she's literally switched her fat mass for lean body mass tissue, metabolically active tissue, building up more glycogen stores and hydration within her muscle cells. So while the scale 
may have gone up, there is a lot happening behind the scenes within her body. And if we weren't looking at body fat percentage, we would never be able to capture that. So when I have clients that are looking to make changes to their weight or they they do want to see that scale move, I typically encourage that we look at, okay, what's happening with your body fat percentage and the things behind the scenes, especially if we're adding in exercise. Because we know exercise stimulates muscle, muscle leads to an increase in strength gains, and the more metabolically active tissue we have, the more likely our metabolism is to be higher, and therefore we're going to see a drop in our fat mass. But again, that's not going to be captured on the scale if we just look at the number. See all this cool stuff we miss? Like how cool is that? That's a massive change. I mean, five pound shift from fat mass to lean body mass is crazy awesome. You know how much stronger you are when you make that shift? I mean, you are throwing that 30 pound bag of dog food from your Costco car into the back of your car with ease when you put on five pounds of lean body mass. So cool, right? The other thing that we miss when we don't take a look at what's happening with our body composition is we forget the impact lean body mass has on our bones. Now, ladies, our bone health is so important, especially as we age. No, not especially as we age, like at all points in our life. When we're younger, we're under the age of about 25, bone health is super important because we are packing calcium into our bones. And then beyond age 25 to 30, we start to slowly pull that And if we don't do things like eat adequate calcium, build muscle strength, we tend to put ourselves in a position where we get osteoporosis, we're more likely to break a hip, we're more likely to see those stress fractures as we age, and that's going to impact our overall quality of life. So bone health is super important across the spectrum. And one of the best things we can do to increase our bone strength is increase our lean body mass. Now, if we think about it, bones are living and evolving tissue, and they're constantly remodeling. One of the roles of estrogen is to inhibit something called osteoclasts. These are the cells that are responsible for absorbing bone tissue. So as estrogen declines, we see a lot more bone loss at an accelerated rate. So like muscles, bones respond to external stimuli. And when we gain strength or we gain lean body mass tissue, there is more of a pull from the tendons on your bones. This pull then increases with muscle tissue, and the more the bone responds, the more we deposit calcium into the bone, building density and strength. So it's this ripple effect when we gain lean body mass. Not only are we feeling stronger, we're, our ability to maneuver through you know, the grocery store and push that Costco cart, which, by the way, my two boys are eating so freaking much that I feel like I'm pushing a weight sled when I'm in Costco now. It's like I'm leaning forward, leaning into my glutes, freaking pushing that thing because it's so heavy. <laughs> so not only does it help us get through Costco more efficiently, faster, and stronger, it also boosts our bone strength. And I cannot stress how important this is. I've worked with numerous women that were so focused on the scale that they hit age 55, 60, and they've neglected their bone health. And that unfortunately is not something that is easily reversed. And doing the preventive work in our 30s and our 40s, heck, if you've got a teenager, get her started now. Because doing that work early and getting in the habit of valuing your body as a whole, not just the weight, but looking at bone health and muscle structure is something your 80-year-old self will thank you for. (laughs) She will say thank you, thank you, thank you for valuing the body as a whole because now I'm still able to move and hike with my grandkids, maybe great-grandkids. I mean, that's the goal here is to 
be the healthiest we can be for as long as we are blessed to be on this earth. Looking at just your weight as an isolated number is like looking at the complexity of our body through a pinhole. It robs us of our ability to see all of the other complexities, intricacies that are going on and really building our overall health. I push this so hard in Food Foundations and encourage folks to either get away from the scale entirely or if you're going to weigh yourself, let's do it with more data. Let's get your body fat percentage. I've got the whole spreadsheet in there where it actually calculates how much lean body mass tissue and hydration you're carrying as opposed to fat mass so you can see those changes along the way if you do decide to weigh yourself on a regular basis. Friends, this scale series has been so fun for me to do. I hope that it has given you permission to create space from that number and start to detach some of your value, your expectations, and your measure of success from that number. We live in such a number-driven culture. I mentioned this on the previous episode, but I, I think it's worth bringing up again that our culture tells us we are valued by the numbers. We are valued by how much money we make, how young we are, and how much we weigh. This is a theme that is deeply woven in to the conversations and the way we perceive ourselves. And I think it's time we challenge that. We step away from letting the world and our culture define us, and we get really clear on how we want to define ourselves based on our faith, based on who God created us to be. My invitation for you as we wrap up this series is one of two things. Number one, maybe it's time to put the scale away. Maybe it is time to take a break from it. You know, if you want to go back to it, you know where to find it. (laughs) I guarantee you can find another one. But take a time out. Don't, what I don't mean is don't stop doing all the things to take care of your body, but take a time out from that scale. See what happens when you place your measures of success and your values and how you feel in your energy level, in your hunger and satiety cues, and not the scale. See the magic that unfolds. If you want help with that, I have so much for you guys in Food Foundations. Sometimes it can be really hard to step away from that number when we don't have other tools to use. So if you're finding yourself in this position of like, okay, I want to let it go, but I don't know what to do instead, friends, sign up for Food Foundations. I've got all that you need in there. We've got the hunger satiety scale. We've got tracking tools. We have new metrics to use. We have non-scale victories. It's all in there, and I cannot wait to help you make this transition. If you're on the other side and you're going, okay, well, I don't have as many scale hangups, but I would like to, you know, look at it more objectively and more holistically, I want to invite you to weigh fairly. Spend the time learning about health beyond the scale. How can we assess body composition? How can we track these changes over time? How can we pull in other metric markers like maybe lab work or blood pressure or resting heart rate or sleep stats? How can we look at things beyond just this number so that We don't tempt ourselves to value ourselves based on that number because that culture, man, oh, those lies will pull you right back in so fast. It's, I think it's a really slippery slope when it comes to that number being a woman in this day and age. So two invitations, put the scale away, or if you are going to weigh, let's invest time and energy into learning how to do so fairly. This series has provided a lot of resources on how you can do that. But of course, if you need more help with that, I would be honored and happy to be in your corner. You guys can always find me over at jessbrownrd.com. Friends, this has been such a fun series. I have some great new topics and interviews coming for you in the next few weeks and a big announcement. So make sure you're tuning in. As always, have a wonderful day. Cheers and happy eating. 
Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope it strengthened your food journey and empowered you to live boldly in your body. Real quick, sister, before you go, if you liked today's episode, the best way you can thank me is head on over to iTunes, Fuel Her Awesome Podcast, leave a review and subscribe. Then take a screenshot and share it on your social media. Don't forget to tag me at JessBrownRD. And if you're looking for more resources, be sure to check out my website, JessBrownRD.com. I've got info on my e-course, Fuel Her Awesome Food Foundation, my 10-step ebook on how to beat body bullying, and so much more. I cannot wait to chat with you babes again. Until next time, cheers and happy eating.